Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another week. I am your host, Aaron Osborne. This week is part two of the Melbourne Live podcast. Um, the guests on this part were Beck Riata from Death Proof, Callum Preston, three-time returning guest who uh, filled in for the absence of Pat Fox, and Yells from Outright, her second time on the podcast. Actually, it was Beck's second time too. Um, but yeah, this conversation was more... about uh, music more than the previous one. And this one was about sort of uh, finding your feet and finding um, how you can contribute to the music industry or the world of alternative music without um, that contribution necessarily being musical. Um, So it was really fun to talk to these guys about that as they all do interesting things and have all been contributing in their own different ways. Um, outside of just playing songs as well. Um, so it was really fun to chat with them about that. Again, it was a good conversation and I'm really stoked that, uh, you know, these guys came out to have a talk about it and people came and watched it. So thanks again for coming out and checking that out. Um, big cheers again to the Reverence for having us and Young Henry's for giving us beers too. Those were also awesome. Um... This week, I don't have much to plug other than an I Exist show. Uh, My band I Exist is playing in Sydney this Saturday, the 30th of July, at the Factory Floor in Marrickville. It's $15. Doors are at 8. Sumeru are playing. Girls are playing. And Beowulf are playing. Who knows what Beowulf sound like? No, I'm just kidding. They're cool. Kelly's in the band. Awesome. Um... But yeah, so if you're in Sydney, come to that. It'll be fun. And then go to Damnation the next day if you've got a ticket because it's sold out. Lol. Um, Yeah, I'm still working on getting the Brisbane Live podcast together. We've had some issues with the recording, um, but we'll figure that out hopefully. And then we'll have some new episodes coming up soon too with some new guests. Um, But yeah, so in the meantime, please enjoy episode 51 Wow, 51. This is awesome. Of the Oblivious Maximus podcast, the live part two at the Rev with Beck Riato, Callum Preston, and Yells. Yay! Brutal! chatting hey chris thanks for coming late um so if you were here for the first portion thanks for sticking around um this one's going to be more about music i guess and less about i'll try not to bring up bongs in the park so much I realise that was a a huge talking point in the last one now. Um, But yeah, thanks again for coming and staying. Um, As I understand, hopefully as we finish up this one, the dinner service will begin. I feel like I'm in a a cruise ship, but uh, if I were on a P&O, dinner will happen after I finish talking, so hang around for that. 
So yeah, this one's about a bit more about music and stuff. Um, but I would once again like to thank the Reverence Hotel for having me. Please put your hands together for them. A fantastic place to come and eat food and get pissed. Um, or not get pissed, I guess. Um, and uh, Young Henry's gave me a bunch of these beers. Thanks to them. Um, apparently there's a bucket load of cider. So if you got a sweet tooth, um, drop six bucks behind the bar and figure out how good they are, I guess. <laughs> if not, I don't know, don't drink it. I'm not here to really sell them. <laughs> um, that's their job. Uh, okay, so let me welcome people up. Uh, I will say the closest person who I'm looking at, my first guest, is Yells. She sings an outright. Yeah! You can have whichever microphone you... Oh, you went for the table one. I want to be close to you, Azzy. Oh, jeez. Hello, friends. Yeah, Yells. Okay, the next person is Beck. Beck does PR from Death Proof. Yeah! She came from a long way. Keep climbing, keep climbing. She's got to get to the stage. Ah, uh, huge. And uh, last person I would like to welcome, Callum Preston. Yeah, he does pictures and cool things. And he was on the last live podcast. Should have just come with you. No. You have to come separately. You're only allowed here when I invite you. I'm having a fizzy on the Asman. Aaron sent us a message <laughs> earlier in the week saying, I'll put some money on the bar so you can have a fizzy on the Asman. And I thought, that's and that's what I'll do. Here we are, and having a couple fizzies. My nickname in high school was Fizzy, and that's not even a joke. Why? Okay, hold on. <laughs> so was like why was your nickname <laughs> Fizzy? And why was this not in the group chat? Yeah. <laughs> I needed this information I stayed out from the beginning. Uh, I got busted drinking Tropicana Fizz, which was like a fizzy, like sweet white uh, goon, fizzy goon, fizzy goon. Yeah. And my mum. So champagne. Mum thought that punishing me, um, she thought that calling me fizzy would be a good punishment. So. Last week Caught I up. went. Gotcha, mum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not like two weeks ago, I went to the renovated Canberra Casino for tourists out there, um, and uh, when, when I was at the bar. A friend of mine asked for a sparkling wine and the man at Canberra Casino of all places scolded her and said, it's called champagne. <laughs> and, uh, he hasn't seen Wayne's World, obviously. <laughs> yeah. All I thought to myself was, this man is very condescending in this metropolis that is Canberra. But uh, shout out to that dog, so <laughs> good on him. That's <laughs> offensive to real life dogs. Yeah. True, yes. Dogs are good. They would know what sparkling wine is. <laughs> um, Alright, so this conversation I was intending to base more around music in the sense that I feel like other than myself, because I spent most of my time being involved with music contributing to playing songs. That's what I've, up until this point, that's what I've always done. I've never done anything really outside of it, but all of my friends, like you three and a lot of other people in this room, have done a lot of stuff outside of that. So my idea was to talk more about how people have found a way to work within music that hasn't been playing music. So I guess, to start off, how did you find your feet in something that sat alongside 
an interest that you had that was musical. I think Callum and I had a similar thing that we just went to uni and then started like shuffling towards the music thing yeah. within that, right? But I mean, I'm I'm even uh, a bit outside of that d- different levels of industry, I guess. But um, I definitely never assumed that it could be any kind of job, really. And it's not <laughs> like I still maintain I do work in the music industry, but I have to work in other industries as well to prop yeah. that up. Um, but I guess it's like you were saying in a previous episode, like people assume that if you're in a band, that's what you want to do as your yeah. job and everything else is just, you know, um, but I mean, I, I always wanted a job to do when I was, whenever I'm involved in something, I look for a job to do. So if it's like drying the dishes at my Nana's house <laughs> or if it's, you know, doing poster artwork for a show or whatever. So it's like, I think that's how that. I ended up finding an interest in that is that when I was 14, I started playing in bands and we'd play little local freezer type shows. And it was like, they had their really bad Hume city council poster artwork thing. And I was like, that's shit. I'll just draw my own instead. So it was like always adding to that workload. And because I wanted to like have something to do, I feel if I'm somewhere, I feel better to have, a thing to do whether I'm like oh, I'm just taking some photos as well or like I'm just doing this thing as well and yeah so fitting that I got you to talk here instead yeah. of just attending and I'm a ring in too so like <laughs> I, I would have been here being like I wish I had a job <laughs> yeah and now Pat Fox Good. is uh is overseas so yeah thanks for having me on again yeah my pleasure yeah. I'll try to I'll try to simmer down me and Matt Weston when we're together we just talk a lot so <clears throat> I'll I'll hold have back a go. yeah but yeah I, I think that's sort of where I I found a place is that like being in a band is just one aspect of that so yeah and I haven't really been in active bands for a long time so but I'm still very much involved in different worlds Mm. I guess yeah Uh, and I've I've definitely delved into things that both of you have probably done as well and it's like putting on a show or organizing things it can be the shittest job out of all but it can also be the most rewarding so it's finding that right balance for you and you know um i was responsible for the infamous mind snare house party in 2007 huge as, but i haven't put on a show since and so like i've retired on top because that was <laughs> the best show i have to thank you for that yeah. because i got to do the youth of today cover exactly with my favorite australian band yeah. in a backyard exactly and i got to watch our mate shano on the roof with an active whippersnipper throwing sausages <laughs> into it and flicking them over at the neighbor's house. So it's like, we all got something out of it. But yeah, like, <laughs> I organized that and it was very painless, but I know that there's, you know, that's like a one in a million chance that you're going to organize a show like that. and Where someone's going to whip us. Yeah. And, that was your and mic drop moment. Totally. Yeah. Like, Nigel's going to agree to it. And like, you know, all of these things. That's the, why you haven't had to book another one. Because you're like, I can't top this. No, yeah. no, exactly. I, I'm retiring. Exactly. Yeah. So that, I topped Good out call. on that. Yeah. How about you guys? What what was sort of like the impetus to get involved, I suppose? Well, it's I've thought about this and I think it's funny. A lot of people talk about um, in certain religions having a relation... that their religion is like having a relationship with their God. And for me, music has been about having... Well, the communities and the art and everything has been about having a relationship with music. So that was always constant and that was always undeniable. Mm-hmm. Um, and growing up, there was a huge part of my life and it was like I had no other interests other than music so it 
um, absorbed everything else around me. But it always felt really two-sided. Yeah. Well, one-sided, I guess you could say. Like, I was only ever an audience member. Um, but it's 100% through exposure and um, engagement with the DIY punk and hardcore community and related communities that actually thought, oh, wow, we all have a role to play in this and an opportunity to contribute and um, give and take. So it didn't even occur to me until I came across that, that, yeah, there were all these other avenues. And I have a serious, serious problem with uh, social hierarchies in these kind of communities, Mm -hmm. like... There's no reason why some dickhead that looks cool and can play three chords is any more important than anyone else in the room. You can be the coolest person ever and if no one is there watching your band, you don't, you know, necessarily have any impact at all. So so I felt seriously empowered by that community and the example set by every single person in the room um, that I could play an active role in that space and, and then the opportunities to expand that in so many different ways, artistically and socially minded and politically and musically, and that just opened up my entire world. So, yeah. and that's still growing. I feel yeah. really, really stoked. That's great. How about you, Beck? I feel like I've had the reverse journey. <laughs> uh, I, I kind of, I grew up in Broken Hill where there was no music scene whatsoever. We never- Did you no, have whippersnippers? No, band. <laughs> we definitely had whippersnippers. Mad Max? Yeah, we didn't yeah, have huge. bands playing at ha- we didn't have bands, so we couldn't even have bands right. playing at house parties. So there was no bands, um, and there was no real like the, you know they taught music at my school and stuff, but it wasn't I I wasn't inspired by it at mm-hmm. all. Um, so I never learnt how to play any instruments, and I wasn't around any music. Um, but I loved listening to it, so I kind of took that. Um, you know, my mum was always like, "When you move away from Broken Hill and you go to uni, you know, it was kind of yeah. like." You don't get a choice. That's what you're going to do, which I was happy with. Um, I just found a random course in Footscray in, at VUT here that was um, the like Bachelor of Business Music Industry, mm-hmm. and I kind of went in blindly. And um, as soon as I got to Melbourne, I started going to shows and I started going to Goo, which Nat mentioned before, um, and it was like a whole new world. And I was just like, oh there's actually like it, there's life outside of Broken Hill you know so I started um studying and then I got a job I sort of started at the top and got a job at Sony and then I went down the the ranks <laughs> to the like the indie labels and then I finally like got right down to like glad you're the, here with us now mate. Yeah. thanks for coming along <laughs> totally I've always found <laughs> more of an appeal DIY. yeah I've done reverse <laughs> DIY wow, that's and cool. now I'm here but don't you think I started at the top now I'm here yeah <laughs> Um, but don't With you think all us pieces of shit, <laughs> the reference, glad. The, uh, like the Broken Hill thing and, and what you're saying, like that's the reverse journey. But I think that, I mean, I grew up out in the suburbs in West Meadows next to the airport. I rode my BMX bike to Melbourne airport to get 30 cent cones back in the day. Like that's, that's literally, like, I, I'm basically from the castle, you know. Like, but, um, ice cream cones? 30, like 30 cent ice cream? Okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, it, used to be 30, it used to be 30 cents. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It wasn't going to be yeah, full we went, in the park. I went, I went, we, went, we went around the park. Um, but, you know, oh, so yeah. I, grew up out, I grew up out there. You were in Broken Hill. You're from Wollongong originally? Wollongong. Yeah, and Canberra. Like, none of these are modern metropolises of music scenes really like you know it's just despite what uh you know bartenders at the canberra casino might yeah yeah yeah, drinking his fizzy water but um you know i think that i think the less exposure you have to it once you 
find out it's there, it's like, does everyone else know about this? Yeah. Like, yes. shit, do they realize that you're allowed to just start a band? You don't need a permit. Yeah. You don't need, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get my pen license. I didn't get anything, you know, like, <laughs> so I think that that's a big part of it is like the realization that it's like anyone can have a go. And not only does anyone else know about this, but does anyone know that they can have this as mm. well? Yeah, yeah. Mm. That was a big thing for me, like TV, you know, Mm-hmm. MTV and video hits every single day, rage every single night because I was never old enough yeah. to actually go out to any venues. Yeah. That's one thing. I can purchase a CD. Yeah. But then you go, like for me, it was going to my local youth centre and going, oh, oh, hang on, I can do this though yeah, too. Yeah. I can have this in my here and now. I don't have to just be a consumer. I remember when um, like reality TV became a thing and pop stars, like the original pop stars, so Bardo was yeah. the... Yeah, and like being in school, because at that point I'd been playing in bands for like a couple of years, I guess. And people are like, imagine that, like you just try out and you get to be in this thing. I'm like, you're allowed to do that without yeah. the TV show. And I was like, but why would you want to do that version of it? Like you could do a band or actual music or whatever. But um, but going back to what you said about the, uh, the I guess, um, social hierarchy stuff as well. I was recently on, uh, I got to go to Vanuatu for a, trip we were painting some walls and stuff over there we got involved with these like small we had a guide we went to these smaller like local communities uh which were all affected by the cyclone two years ago and we painted murals in their towns of like i was painting the name of the town on the side of like the the big central meeting point which is usually a church because that's just how it is over there and the people i was with are not involved in music at all and they're all from different art kind of scenes and we went to this church thing and they invited us to the church service and I was like, okay, cool. Went along and they asked us to get up and introduce ourselves and then he's doing his thing. Everyone, like the whole village is there and he's like, does anyone else have anything to say? And people are just jumping up going and they're like, wow, look at that. Like he just said, does anyone want to have a go? And everyone like someone else is playing the piano now and this is going on. They're like, man, I'm not into religion, but fuck, it would have been cool to like kind of have something like that. I get, I get why people get into it. It's like you go somewhere, everyone has a similar kind of view. You all enjoy the same things and you can just have a go. And I was like, oh, you're the art house. That's yeah. like, oh, and they're that like, makes me cry. and they're like, what do you mean? I was like, well, that's like, that's how that works. Like, yeah. it's like not just the art house, but for me, I was like, I had church from like 18 to 26 or whatever. I was like, that's pretty much what it is. You could go there by yourself. You would know people, you could not, you know, whatever. So it was like, but to them, they were like, oh, really? Is that how music works? Because they kind of picture it being like, don't you get in the band so you can then get a deal and then do the thing yeah. and, and quit your job and be in the band? It's like, no, it was being in a band is my version of my dad playing indoor cricket when I was a little kid, you know? Yeah. Less, well, less maybe more mustaches. I don't know. but <laughs> Probably about the same depending. now. It's leveled out. Yeah, but it's leveled out now. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I think like uh, a huge thing... For me with all this stuff too was like um not that it's like anything that i sort of earned or really developed i just could play dumb blues riffs on guitar but like i think a big thing for me was like once i realized that i could do that or that i could play drums a little bit was i just wanted to do it all the time and i wanted to contribute as much as i could and so similarly like like this and booking shows and things like that became like a huge interest for me in the sense that like the guitar part of it is a relatively small aspect in the grand scheme of things. It's, you know, it is the product that's being sold or the thing that people are going to look at, but of all the things that are involved with it, it's a tiny portion of 
everything else and a tiny portion of a huge amount of combined effort from a bunch of different people. Um, and so like when, you know, we started hanging out, you had said to me that you wanted to be in a band and I was like, well, why don't you just fucking be in a band? Like that's <laughs> it's super easy to be in a band. But obviously for you, it was quite a, a different like beast, I guess, being in a band. And I was really happy that I could like write songs that could help you do that. But for me, that was like just a thing that you just did at that point. And I guess it's similarly as a thing from being from Canberra where it was like, oh, well, everyone you know is in a band with someone else you know. Yeah. Or drinking their fizzy drink. bloody wine. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like your mate's a graphic designer or someone's this and someone's that. And like that's how it sort of developed. But I think it, in that space, it all came from, uh, you know, those youth center type things and being involved with all that sort of weird stuff. Yeah. But I think like a thing that was really interesting to me was when I moved here and I felt like immediately that there was a lot more industry about it and there was a lot more yeah. like focus on careers and jobs and things like that. And I guess uh, a thing for me about sort of planning how to run this discussion, I suppose, was that um, both of us don't really exist in a way that works within that, whereas the, the pair of you, you know, mm -hmm. some part of your finance comes from yeah. doing music stuff. Um, ha has that, like, influenced or impacted at all on your relationship with music? Like... Mm. Do you feel that that's had an adverse effect or a positive effect on how you relate to something that you had as an initial passion for it? Yeah, right. Well, that's a really good question. That's a great question. And I uh, guess thanks, guys. <laughs> that's a, it's a super interesting question because it's a question that I kind of ask myself a lot as well and I think that, that it fluctuates sort of either way. Like sometimes... We were talking about burnout before, but for me, it's burnout because I have to, as part of my job, be across a lot of different music, and I and a, a lot of the time I'm kind of expected to go and see shows where maybe I'm really tired and I like you know I've yeah. had a shit week or whatever, and I just want to stay home. And you sort of force yourself out to do that, and it does breed this kind of. Um, Oh, like you're ruining my, you know, this this job is ruining my passion, you know. Um, I don't regret um, doing my passion as my job. There's never been a point where I've where I've taken that for granted because especially when I talk to people that have a job that they don't like and they sort of wish that they could be spending their days, um, you know, for me, like talking about music and trying to convince people to like the same stuff as me is, is what I, like, I would just do naturally and that's sort of what I now try and get paid to do, I suppose. <laughs> um, but yeah, it definitely goes up and down according to how, how stressed out you are in general and, you know, there are definitely moments where I kind of, you know, I'm, I might be... Um, just watching a small a band that I started watching when they were small and now they've got a whole room filled and and I sort of feel this like sense of like oh my god I've been a part of something amazing and that kind of fuels you then for another six months I reckon but yeah it, it does sometimes have an adverse effect I think um, when when there's just it sort of just depends for me uh, on what else I have going on in life though it's it's never it's never it solely it's within the music or yeah whatever. exactly yeah. yeah so kind of yeah goes up and down mm. yeah um i think see it's 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 a lot easier for me because i 
get to work on like the fun part of you know like one of the funner things of being in a band is what's our t-shirts going to look like what's yeah. the album going to be like um, but the way I look at it now is you know you're talking about the finance side of it like I do make a living off designing for some bands who are on big labels but I would just as likely be doing something for a band that doesn't have a demo out or whatever you know it depends usually my own band but um (laughs) like i work on parkway drive stuff for example which is like arguably the biggest heavy australian band to ever you know surf i don't know what you'd call it but (laughs) um, yes correct they are the biggest heavy band that's surfed but the way i look at it is like so when i was a kid growing up um in the suburbs and like all of you in places that you might be a little bit starved for music this is pre-internet pre-Pokemon yeah. everything. Um, but same time as Pokemon initial. Same, same Pokemon. time initial, yeah. But uh, like, so I'm trying to think. So Green Day Dookie, um, Spiderbait, Unfinished Galleon of Finley Lay, Spanish Galleon of Finley Lay. Like these records, like I would sit and trace pictures out of the artwork of them and I'd be like photocopying them and colouring them in and shit like that. And so when I get to work on something that's big, people go, oh, yeah, and it's just like a big day out crowd, huh? Like big fucking crazy amounts of fans. I'm like, yeah, but it's like there's also a bigger reach to that, which means that somewhere there's a bunch of dudes headbutting each other, drinking Red Bulls in the car park to go and watch Parkway. I'm not interested in those people. What I'm interested in is like the kid that lives in Toowoomba who like ordered it at the shop to get the CD in and then is like, oh, I love this band and I you know, we'll occasionally catch something. So like um, when the Violent Soho stuff that I do comes out, I've seen kids with like versions of that drawn on their school bags and stuff. Like yeah. the, what I drew has been redrawn by someone who is me 20 years, 30 years ago. Um, <laughs> like doing it, you know? And so that's like, that's the way I look at it. So I'm kind of, I'm, I've got no dog in the fight. Like I'm not trying to, I'm not in the Sony offices being like, we can't market Beyonce like this. It's got to be there. I'm just getting to draw stuff for things that they're my contemporaries. The people that are my age, we have similar understandings and interests. So I just get to be a part of that journey without having to be in the band, I guess, which is, is awesome. Yeah. So um, there's, no, there's no real downside except just like the stresses of last minute changes. And, you know, but like, how can you really complain about that? You know, like I, I draw pictures in for a living. I can't think of anything, like, other than the actual music themselves, mm. the, itself, I can't think of anything other than the visual representation, like the, the logos and the designs and the mm. album covers and the shirts, to that represent the band so much. There's nothing other than... Totally. Yeah, that's so and powerful. And as much as you think that that's fun, I'm sure there are a lot of people that are in bands that... that feel really uncomfortable touching that stuff oh well. yeah yeah that, people, that, there's pressure in that yeah, yeah. And, and, and they people, don't want to do that they so. get you know people you, you're being represented by an image so something that you're trusting me to draw is showing off who you are so it's like mm. um, I, the only example I can think of is like when Black Flag released an album like last year or the year before and it was literally yeah. like a the uh, worst the like a smiley ever. face yeah. with like a slimy tongue we, like look yeah. I was drawing MS Paint and it was like, <laughs> it's like, this is a band who, uh, whether you like the band or not, you can't deny that there's an iconography to like all of their artwork over the years. And mm. then there's just this fucking weird thing. Like, how did that even slip through the net? Um, Let's not diss MS Paint though, because Sarah Thompson's uh, high tension work is outstanding <coughs> in MS Paint. That's, uh, yeah. that's, yeah, that's next, <laughs> that's next level for sure. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So Black Flag, learn from that, you fucking idiot. Yes. Yeah. But um, yeah, like, and 
it's that those things, those visual representations of bands set off memories for me as well, you know, whether it's like recovery era, you know. I, the other day I saw, um, I saw Vanessa from Jebediah in the street and she's playing in a band called Axe Girl who are on tour with the Bennies. And I was like 14 again. I was like, oh, I was like, Jebediah. Like, I didn't even say Vanessa. I was like, Jebediah. I'm like, you fucking idiot. Like, but, you know, people and things that, you know, the way that people... Like, if you ever go back and watch, like, a 28 Days film clip, you're like, what are they wearing? But at the time, they were the coolest dudes I'd ever yeah. seen, you know? Like, there's a lot of... There's, there's definitely a weird bubble that you put your younger self in when you think about these things. So I think that doing band graphics is an amazing way to, like, work inside the beast but be contributing something positive, mm. whether it's a giant band or a tiny little band. Yeah. Well, and I think another thing to that, too, is the, the like... Um, I guess the passion and the the drive that you have to still be involved, like regardless of whether you're playing or not, like mm-hmm. for yourself, someone who's been in bands and still is in bands, yeah. but um, and then you know you're not playing in a band and you do play in a band, but it, like it took you quite a while to get to the point of doing it, like to still have that whatever it is in your head ticking over. That's meaning like no, I still want to do this and I still need to be involved somehow. And yeah. I'm sure for a lot of people and I'm sure other people in this room as well, it has often meant like sacrificing finance or sacrificing something in your life that has allowed you to do this thing just because you want to do it. And I think in the, the previous discussion we had, how that reflects to our relationships, I think with here, something that I sort of wanted to touch on is how that this thing we're a part of continues to be I guess important or inspirational and what is it that keeps that drive going for you now is it something that now the things that you're involved with help fuel that passion or does the music still keep it pushing forward for you the music industry is a pretty gnarly place and I feel like um, for me personally I have kind of a um, fighting the good fight spirit, you know, I kind of just want to represent, um, I want to represent the music that I like and the DIY scene and stuff in in the industry um, because there's not many of us that are, I mean, there's a lot of people, there's less money going around in the music industry in general across the board. And I've used the analogy before, it's kind of like everyone's like, seagulls fighting over the last chip like it's like there's no that's the money that's left you know what I mean and it's just like ah. and I'm, I'm just like I'm so stoked when I see bands like you know the Smith Street Band or Luca Brasi or something when when those guys sort of um have a piece of that pie like have where they have a piece of that big music industry pie it kind of makes me it, it makes me happy and it makes me want to still um keep fighting and and um, stand up for the people that are just kind of trying to um, do it without a lot of financial backing and stuff, I suppose, because yeah. those are the people that are surviving in the music industry the easiest now, I suppose, if they've got yeah. a lot of money. I, th- I think it's really easy to get high and mighty in, like, anything within the punk, hardcore, whatever realm where it's easy to get this, like, success is, like, selling out, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. oh, man, it's so huge now. It's like, well maybe they worked really hard for that. There's definitely cases where yeah. they didn't. And usually yeah. that shit comes undone pretty fast, you know, sure. but it's like... Or it doesn't last very long. Yeah. And it's also like, 
um, it's almost like uh, hard work or, or busy or opportunity is like has this dirty word connotation to it. But like I guess like an awesome example is for you guys. You know, you play with Rise Against on like a bigger stage than I guess you would ever imagine to. But it's like that opportunity came because people in the band knew about what you were doing and wanted you to be a part of it. It's like there's no like. But then they, oh, they play stadium festival show. Like, no, you played a show because someone else understood where they were coming from and wanted them to be part of it. So I think it's like... And why not focus on the fact that, hey, a local band and some friends of ours got an opportunity to expose Australian exactly, yeah, hardcore yeah. Totally. to a totally different Who would you audience. rather be doing it, you know? Wouldn't you yeah. want someone that yeah. you like to and be taking that... And it was just lots that... of fun, so be happy for yeah, it. Totally. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, I mean, I guess that's like a... a an Australian tall poppy thing yeah. microcosmed into like punk, but like I think it's going away though. I I, I I feel like it's going away a little bit, and it's like um, and bands feel. I think bands are more conscious of that as well because it's for me like alternative music. It's not MTV Cribs wanting to have a fridge full of matching drinks. You know, it's like I still want that. Yeah, well, <laughs> Young Henrys, Young Henrys, yeah, give yeah. me all of them. <laughs> Fizzy the asthma. Yeah, yeah fizzy's As- dead, whatever. <laughs> Coke um, Zero, if you're the listening. Fi- the fizz den. Uh, yeah, so it's like, I think that that, I think that that, um, like being excited for people being bigger, you know, if it's the Smith Street Band playing overseas or if it's bands getting good opportunities because they're working at it, it's like... Is it changing though? I feel like, I honestly feel like it's like the attitude is changing and people are being more supportive of I think bands so. yeah, being yeah. successful now than they have been, but it yeah. might just be my age. I don't know. Do you know what I reckon it is as well? I'm, fi- I'm finding that the people that I'm seeing achieving success, they're solid, awesome, people. lovely people. Yeah. Mm. So it might be that we maybe we feel the tall poppy when it's like, well, they're a bunch of assholes and they're really rude to people who work them. with them or... You go, why do they get it? But now it's all like, oh, yes, it's yeah. my mate and it's yeah. a legend, yet they do. But don't you feel yeah, that? but if you weren't their mate, would you still think that? That's the thing. Is it like, oh. is it changing across the board or is it only changing because we're in this bubble and we're kind of like, oh, yeah, I love those guys, you know? Like, I wonder. I think it might be how a band carries themselves. I might yeah. not know them personally, but oh, yeah. hey, they've been involved in that benefit show, which yeah. is really yeah. good instead of just. Yeah, yeah being I get weird wearing um, a particular label or like or. detached pride. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of those guys that I've never met or known or emailed or anything, but they're really doing well. Like, and you go, ah, oh, I don't know them, but I feel like I know them because I saw them when they played <laughs> at the them. tote, and now but they're that playing, means you know, yeah. they relate to what you do. Exactly, that means yeah. they've created a connection with you. That yeah. means you are part of the community, yeah, whether yeah, you yeah. know them or not. And if we're, like music is just the vehicle for mm. that, that's and amazing. I think that there's also a weird thing with like. Like when the normal people find out about the band that you're into yeah. and you're like, ah, oh, and it's all these bloody normals and you're like, that's awesome. They're like spreading, they, they're spreading it out to a wider audience. Mm. They haven't, they haven't stabbed me in the back by being more popular. Like it's, no. so I think that that's, you know, it's easy to discount bigger bands as being like festival bands now or whatever they are. But, but everyone who hates normal people listening to their band are people that don't have normal people yeah. listening to their band. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like. Not everyone can relate to, you know, smoking bongs in the park yeah. or burning <laughs> churches or whatever. So times, like, by the way. Yeah, cheers. Bongs are great. But uh, <laughs> no, but like, you know, like I think, I think a big thing with that too is that um, how we perceive how people enjoy what we're doing is obviously very different to how someone actually interacts with it as well. Like you said, like. 
you know, having someone, you know, seeing a person draw something you've drawn on their pencil case is a totally different experience for them than it is for you feeling that you're the person seeing that. So, yeah, yeah. like yourself, if, you know, when you were drawing that logo on your pencil case, I'm sure the ultra punks that drew the NoFX logo yeah. was probably or not. Or whoever designed all the I Hate God logos that are on your leg <laughs> would be stoked. Fucking frothing. <laughs> um, no, yeah. but, like, it's... It's how we perceive that as being... Yeah. I think Yells is right, us. though. It's like, it is an age thing as well. I'm sure when I was younger, I'd be like, who cares? Like, mm. I don't want all the normal people coming to this parkway show, whatever it is, you know, but like... I want to be different. Yeah, I think you get older and, and you... get protective. Yeah. yeah. I, I can yeah. definitely tell you that if I told my 16, 17-year-old self that I would know this many people, including me with short hair... That I would have been fucking <laughs> filthy about it. <laughs> all of us. I Look at all these people wearing white shirts. Yeah. Fucking hell. Not a bong inside. <laughs> not a bong inside. We're not in a park. <laughs> You're paying for your alcohol. Fuck. Yeah. yeah. But it's like you get protective of it, but you also like, if I can have a friend make their living off being in a band, yeah. awesome. Yeah. But if some, if one of my friends is responsible and goes, you know what? I literally can't make enough and I want to have a family or whatever I'm going to get a fucking job and stop stop trying to live the dream that's like I think there's you know they're the same thing like it's very there's a lot of pride that gets thrown around with people like uh, yeah I quit my job because we've got the band going on and stuff it's like you just got to be mad enough to whatever enough to be like I just need to keep my life in order yeah. and sometimes that's not being in a band you know for financial, mental, all kinds of different reasons. Yeah. And sometimes bands can feel like more work than a nine-to-five. Yeah. I and think a 24-hour job sometimes. Definitely. So, yeah. there's, there's definitely Dreams detrimental elements mm. to all of those things, for sure. Mm. Luckily, you know, I haven't been in that situation, but I know people who have, like, you know, probably lost years off their life through stress of yeah. the politics of being in a band or, or chasing that label dream or whatever it is or trying to stay punk, like... Mm. You know, there's, there's ups and downs on all those sides. And which brings me back to your other question, like there's sacrifices involved and what is it that keeps you going? Mm. And I think for me, I mean, the energy of the music that we enjoy the most is always going to be a driving power. Mm. Um, it's mm. always going to be a catharsis. It's always going to be invigorating and motivating. Um, I think the fact that it is a creative art form gives mm. it that power to keep you going. You can keep changing and trying new things and creating totally. new sounds. And um, But the big thing for me as well is the meaning behind all of that. Like yeah. those things can be stagnant, but there is always ideas. There's always meaning. There's always um, community and connections and things that you can use that music for. So um, even though there are sacrifices involved, there are still so many driving forces that, you know, even when we might feel fatigued on one side, there's still opportunities in those other avenues to keep pushing what we do and to keep us connected to something that we love and that makes us grow as people as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's, that's always a big thing for me too, is like regardless of what I think about it or how I interact with it, is that I know that <clears throat> at the end of the day, I'm still going to be pushed forward by the ideas that I agree with or the riffs that sound heaps to me or whatever, you know, like it's, that's not going to go away. I mean, if it does probably better for my pocket, but at the end of the day, like still going to fucking love dumb death <laughs> not metal. Not better and for stuff. your pocket. You just get obsessed with something else. Yeah. Well, well that, you know, that too. Like... Yeah. And I mean, 
you know, I, I think like if I, and a thing that I always look at is like, right now doing my tax, I'm like, ah, oh, spent a bunch of money on shit I don't need. But like, if I didn't do that, I would have spent it on Something different else. shit yeah. that I didn't need or whatever. Yeah. But I mean, you know, it, it's, this is a weird thing that we're a part of, but I think it's something that's like, regardless of what we do is still going to be important at the end of the day yeah you don't really get to choose it i mean no. it's not really <laughs> no. a conscious decision at any point like yeah. i think it's sort of it, music kind of just forces you just yeah. has that pull you know but don't you for think, whatever reason don't you think like um aaron you were saying before about you knew yells and yells wanted to be in a band and you were like i'll write some riffs or whatever mm-hmm. i think that there's um and obviously we work you know as financially gaining money from the industry but there's so being a part of any kind of music world and i don't know if it exists in the folk scene or in the <laughs> i don't know irish jig scene but you can you can do a lot for your friends just by being involved in another whether it's turning up to the show mm. yeah or reposting something on facebook that's like a sub drop from yeah. my, <laughs> i mean i know i know we're dropping hits i know i've got such a deep voice but <laughs> Uh, it sounds like Ellen DeGeneres is up here. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you can contribute so much to it. So, like, something that I kind of have felt as I got older, there's this, um, and I've talked about it before, but there's a photo of my dad ripping up the tiles in the house that I grew up in when I was, I'm like a baby in the background of the photo. My dad's, like, got no shirt on and this big moustache. And he's, like, he's sledgehammering these slate tiles and, like, my uncle's in the background and this guy, Ian, that's like my dad's mate. And then there's like this other guy, Warren, is like smoking out the back. <laughs> Huge Australian yeah, totally. Names, just like dad just name Ian and Warren. He's a yeah. prime dad name. Ian and Warren are there. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and, you know, there's just all these people in the photo. And I'm like, I've seen it before. I'm like, why are they all there ripping up the floor? Like, how did that happen? Mum's like, oh, well, we were ripping up the floor. And so everyone just like came around to help when we were doing the rent because we didn't have any money. And I'm like, oh, shit, it's kind of the same thing as like yeah. you saying, I want to be in a band. And then you would write to me and I'd be like, well, you got no fucking money, but I'll design the demo cover yeah. thing for you. Because if I was an electrician, you would call me up and say, hey, can you do a cash job around at my joint to put in some downlights? And I'd go, yeah, I'm an electrician, but what I am is a designer. So if I can throw some of that weight on a project my friend's working on, um, I'll do it. But it's there's just as much weight in just going, oh, I'll come to your first show where you're pretty shit and I don't know any of your songs. And yeah. Or it's on a Wednesday night at Revolver and I don't want to go there. Like, you know, that kind of thing. And Wait, that's exactly don't? how I started doing Bake Down the Walls. Like, I yeah. wasn't in bands. I couldn't contribute in that way because I didn't know how to play an instrument at the time or anything. Yeah. But it's like, well, they're doing something positive. Well, I, I want to support... I want that band from another state to come to my town. So I'll bake a bunch of cakes and cookies and yeah. sell them and everyone will have a fun time and they've got petrol money. And now that turns into raising... Thousands of dollars for people I know who are actually doing real life awesome shit and mm-hmm. making positive change or going through really challenging times and yeah that's a bunch of bloody cookies yeah. like <laughs> but I mean and, and it's I, not even related to the music but it's just like oh well yeah okay they're doing something I can do what, something yeah, yeah. contributing what you can yeah. yeah I haven't been involved for so long I'm not sure how it still works but like the little plastic bag of money at the end of the art house show they'd be like oh well they came from Adelaide so just give it to them yeah and it's like. <laughs> We drove from Mooney Ponds and we're going to get kebabs on the way home. Like, we don't need that money. Like, we can just do this. And those guys are going to drive eight hours tomorrow. So, it's like, I don't know. There's, there's, there's a lot of giving. As much as there's, you know, there's a, a plethora of bullshit and bad shit and terrible things to look at. But if you're coming back around to my, like, 
church analogy, like, oh, there is a place where people generally are somewhere on the same wavelength. You know, not everyone has to be on exactly that line, but yeah. So that's, that's like the root of where I come to like working in music is like, I'd probably be doing it anyway, even if they didn't yeah. pay me, I'd just be doing less of it. Yeah. I guess that's it. Well, uh, I feel like that's a pretty good point to turn things down. Does anyone have any questions for this group of people? I can now see you again. This blue light is really I can't see giving you. me a good go. Does anyone have any oh, yeah. questions? Oh, thanks for that. Good job. <laughs> awesome. It's like intergalactic. Questions. <laughs> Just yell them out. If you don't have them, it's fine. Oh. I thought they'd have a few more drinks in there. No. Okay, so glad I guess glad uh, put tweet your one. together tweet for one. the guys that are up here. Thank you so much. Thank you. Well done, Azzy. Good job. Thanks, man. Um, thanks again for coming and to the reverence and young Henry to give me beer. Callum has some shirts. Oh, yeah, I do. That he can sell yeah. if you want to look they're, at them. They're back to... <laughs> it makes it sound like I'm just selling my shirts. They're just I've, him. I've got some, I've got some tarot cash shirts. <laughs> Um, the Callum yeah. shirts. No, they're t-shirts. T- they're from my Back to the Future show, which was in October last year, which is a long time ago now. But I found a box of them. So, so they're on sale. Help uh, him. You decide how much they are. I also have some shirts. If you feel like wearing a shirt that says Oblivious Maximus on it, talk to me after. Yeah. Um, Listen to Outright and I Exist and go on blurg.com. Mm, Just blurg. A-U. Yeah, blurg.com.au. As Thank well. you, Callum, yeah. for spooking everybody. Oh, I thought you were just yeah. Well, you you normally just go. Listen, I exist, brutal. <laughs> so I thought I'd, I thought I'd cut in. I mean, you <laughs> should. <laughs> we're a really good band. You we're playing al- in Melbourne next week. So. You should also follow Aaron's personal Instagram for photos of him wearing ducks hats and scarves and <laughs> things from their house. Huge shout out to Duck. Yeah. Um, and yeah, logo. Yeah, Duck. You got a round of applause. All right. Uh, thank you very much. This has been the Oblivious Maximus Live Podcast. Brutal. Bye. Yeah.